You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church or service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. It's lovely to be in this living church filled with living stones Amen. today. This place is alive in Jesus' name. It means it's filled with life. Yeah. Praise God. And what God is saying by way of release is that there is no ceiling. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. There is no border. There are no limits to what God can do with what you give him. Wonderful. Amen. Talking of no ceiling, my wife Barbara and I we're driving down Great Western Road in Glasgow this morning and we saw this very tall chap walking down holding an umbrella. And it struck me as comical and, and it hit my wife the same way. Um, we were paused at the lights and I saw that I saw him and he was crouched over with an umbrella, as you would be in Glasgow at this time of year. <laughs> and um, it was it was teeming down, it wasn't windy, but he was crouched over, but he was stooped as he walked. And I just said out loud, you don't, you're not under a ceiling now. You can actually lift the umbrella higher. You don't have to stoop. <laughs> because the man was probably so conditioned through being so tall and having to stoop to get in doorways or under ceilings. Perhaps he was self-conscious about his height. Yeah. I don't know. But he was stooped. I thought, and Barbara said, maybe he's got short arms. <laughs> 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 Listen, you can stand straight. Amen. There's no ceiling. There's nothing over you pushing you down. This is about release. Yes. And there is no limit to what God can do. There's no border. It was the Apostle Paul who coined the phrase regions beyond. See, there is no set finite boundary. It's a matter of faithfulness. Now, yeah. And faithfulness with what God has given to us and allowing him to breathe yeah. upon and bless and multiply um, uh, whether it's the two or the five talents mm -hmm. I missed out the one but the two and the five talents get multiplied because they're put to use, there's no limit there's no limit to the multiplicity, multiplicity of his blessing yeah. he says, blessing I will bless you mm -hmm. multiplying I'll multiply you, that wasn't even the introduction but uh, <laughs> bearing in mind we've got lovely um, Soup and rolls today, bonus food, always the best, really looking forward to it, I'll keep that in mind. Watch I'll watch the clocks, um, but we'll, we'll think about what God is doing just now, this time. I'd like to divide what I have to say into two halves, one is really just to set the context, and another is simply to impart a word through that, through that context. But first of all, let's read together from the epistle of Paul to the Romans in chapter 12, and from verse 3 down to verse 8. Mm. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. 
For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, <laughs> each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You just say something by way of context about the gifts at work in people's lives. It's not often thought about, discussed, or even taught, really. Uh, it's something that we have ideas about. But I would just like to set a context for how the gifts of God emerge in people's lives and how they're developed and the spheres, the levels that they operate on and that we grow into through them, using them. The first kind of gifts, and um, pardon me those of you who've been through all this and you've taught this and learned it to pass it on before, uh, your patience is appreciated. But the first experience of gifts that we should have in our life would be manifestation gifts, if you like. If you were to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a list of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the emphasis of these gifts is that they're imparted as this Spirit wills. In other words, they're once-off manifestations that can happen at any point in time through any spirit-filled body of believers. Mm -hmm. You perhaps have been in a meeting, as I have perhaps, when you feel this stirring, stirring, maybe a prophetic word to serve God in some way, but you think, oh no, and you bottle it and you hold back. So God just says, all right, I'll give it to someone else then. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody else comes and says it, and it's all right, he's not in there. Yeah. It wasn't Amen. your gift, it was the Spirit's gift. Amen. So he never got it through you, so he'll get it through someone else. It's a manifestation gift. It's God who's in charge. I don't have that gift, the Spirit has it. When I don't use it, we'll just put it through someone else. Mm -hmm. Manifestation gift. But then, as time passes, we find that we begin to recognize in the gathering of God's people that there becomes evident a, a, a proclivity or, or, or a tendency to exercise certain gifts among certain people. So regularly we start to see, oh, Johnny's prophesying to the point where you get to a point in the meeting and there's a worshipful place and you just sense there's a gift of prophecy coming and you know who's going to come. You know who's going to come and share something, who's going to minister a certain way. It doesn't always happen that way because the charismatic gift, as we say, can, can happen anywhere. But there will be a tendency and there'll be a recognised and, and that's what I would call a motivational gift. Because a certain person is graced and moved in that particular way. So there'll be a tendency when the Spirit of God works in a person's life, motivates them to operate in that way rather than that way. And that's what we've been reading about in Romans chapter 12. Because it says, since we have gifts, 
You see, you don't have the gifts in Corinthians 12. The Spirit has them. Yeah. And he does them as he wishes. Mm -hmm. But now it's another level when individuals are beginning to re-recognize this. That this isn't just the manifestation gift of prophecy. This is a motivational gift of prophecy that's growing in a person's life. And it's coming to another level. And there are people with wonderful gifts of, of prophecy and all kinds of gifts. I'm picking out prophecy because... Prophecy is one of these that actually gets articulated in all the different levels, but it applies to many gifts, not even the ones beyond even the ones that are listed there. And then uh, time passes and goes on, and, and uh, we, we come, we see people recognized, uh, operating, going, walking in various gift, giftings in their lives, and then even within that they'll become recognized. There's something even more than that here. We've had something, we're seeing something more than just a manifestation of a prophetic utterance. Mm -hmm. It could happen through anyone. And we're seeing now going beyond somebody who regularly operates and exercises the gift of prophecy. We are now actually seeing a prophet. Yeah. And uh, whereas the first two could be referred to as manifestation and then motivational gifts, this could be referred to as a ministry gift. Mm -hmm. Some people would refer to it as an ascension ministry or a five-fold ministry. And the thing about that ministry gift is that is for the equipping of the saints for the raising up of other prophets. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah. And that is a dimension that, that is given. The person himself is so connected with the gift that the person gets called the gift. Mm -hmm. The prophet is actually the gift to the body. And he's, he's gifted to the body in order to equip and release the body in gifts of prophecy and other things too. And that person is actually a gift to the body of Christ. Yeah. Now, I don't want to get too, um, too boxed. <laughs> and too, we, we, we love our formulae, don't we? We love our systems. Mm -hmm. And we like everything compartmentalized. And blah, blah, blah. These are generalities. Mm. But there, is definitely, there are definitely, definitely levels and spheres by which these gifts, gifts operate. I think one of the great distinctives of the ministry gift, for example, of the prophet or any other gift, is it can be taken, it can be planted in any place, and it happens. Yeah. You take an uh, Ephesians 4 evangelist, put him in any context on the planet, and yeah. that gift from heaven is going to engage any church and equip any church in evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that with all of these ministries. Yeah. They're translocal, they can go, they can reproduce and multiply in any place. I would have to say that one of the difficulties, well, it's been, they've been, it's been said to me by people, much more senior men than I, older men than I, in the, in, the, in the apostolic church, that in times past there's been a difficulty because some people have operated strongly in a motivational gift in a local context, and somebody has come along and set them apart and ordained them to the office of apostle or prophet or pastor, perhaps, um, but in actual fact, what's happened is they've been operating and working in a body of believers in a locali locality. They've been a supporting ligament in that place, and they've been effectively gifted to do that gift in that area. Yeah. But you take them out of that context, sometimes, and you put them somewhere else, and it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. They were operating in a strong motivational gift of pastoring or teaching or prophesying. Mm. Yeah. But that Ephesians 4 capacity that will go and will happen affect itself elsewhere in the body of Christ. By putting a burden and a weight sometimes too heavily on a, on a person, even the motivations of gift itself can get cramped. Mm -hmm. 
So we have to go with God and we have to recognize it. Now, out of these motivational gifts, there can be, and there often is, a ministry gift. But it needs time to be demonstrated and to grow in faithfulness. Yeah. And sometimes we can sense that and even when we see it. I see people today, I know that guy is a prophet one day. Yeah. And I see a pro prophetic ministry in him today. But the time is going to come when there's a setting apart and there's an ordination. Mm. I'm here today as a, recognized as a, um, a relational apostle within the, the apostolic church. And as such, I do represent the movement, the, the denomination. Um, and a time comes when somebody is set apart to the ministry office of pastor. And uh, one of the things that, as Tom will remember, when we sit down and we have this discussion, are you aware, Tom, that, that the church could call upon you to go and pastor in another location? And would you, is that something on the leading of the Holy Spirit that you would be open to? I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so... So I want us to home in, and I set the context here because I see very much what's happening here as we recognise this pastoral ministry. We see a pastor in Ian, we see a pastor in Andrew, and you're operating in your function, and there may come a time yeah. <laughs> when there is a relocation to other contexts. But just now, you're absolutely free without ceiling and boundary to yeah. go and develop yeah. in that gift amongst this movement that's Amen. beginning so excitingly in Bones. And let the wind blow upon it and take it and take Amen. it to wherever it will take you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Shall we think about the other things again? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So, to our text here. Wonderful. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, I want to take it, take that out. And having said, you know that you know we're talking here about in this passage about motivational gifts. There are principles here that apply to gifting in every area. This applies to ministry gifts, to ascension ministry. It applies to everything. The principles that we're going to look at today. We want to unpack it from this particular context of these gifts, uh, these particular motivational gifts. And I want to bring out very clearly two words. It's in verse 6 there. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us each exercise them accordingly. Mm -hmm. Two very key words, gifts and graces. They're actually very similar words. If we were to look at it in Greek, the word for gift is charismata. And the word for graces, grace is charis. A literal translation of the word charismata would be grace effects. In other words, the gift that you see there operates out of, according to, is resourced by a particular grace. So you have a gift that has its own grace, the battery within it, that makes it operate. So you really want to make sure you've got the battery there and the gift will take care of itself. It will be a byproduct, an outpouring of that grace. And there are wonderful couples all through that. Seven couples. Did you see them? Do you notice that? There's a gift and a grace. Look, the gift is prophesying. 
faith is the grace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to grow in prophecy? Seek the grace. And God will enlarge and extend your faith. And the grace of faith will enlarge the gift of prophecy. It's a wonderful picture. You can go through every one of them. They've both got an attending, accompanying, a partnering grace. It's a lovely picture. Service and the serving, the, the motivation to serve. Teaches in his teaching, his appetite to teach, the grace to teach. He who exhorts in his exhortation, he gives with liberality. Liberality is the grace behind giving. Wonderful picture. He who leads with diligence. Diligence is the driving force, it's the grace. For as long as you've got that grace, you'll lead effectively. The grace of diligence. Funds, supports, resources, employer empowers, strengthens the gift of leading. That word leading, by the way, it's, it's, a, it's a governing. It's, a, it's the word that's used in, in Timothy amongst the qualifications of elders. It says that he should lead his household well. Somebody who comes into the office of an elder. Um, it, it, it's talking about an authority and, and a governing, a ruling. Sometimes it's even, I think in the King James, ruling. Um, the, the term ruling is used. It says that, that, the, that um, the, the elder who, um, who leads well or rules well, it's the same word as here for leading, is worthy of double honour. You know that passage in First Timothy chapter 5. So, uh, leading, but there's a grace that enables you to lead. It's a grace of diligence. It's a spiritual diligence. It's not a... Many of you who used to follow the football in the old days when Rangers Football Club were trying really hard to get there but never quite achieving. And the manager, I think it was Jock Wallace, that shows how old I am, <laughs> at the time said, he used to say, what we need here is commitment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but these players, you can, <laughs> they can commit themselves all the life and they going to win the league. We're not talking about trying great diligence, is it? Diligence, it's, it's a grace. Yeah, we're called to hard work, but we're forced yeah. to do some mm. yeah. wonderful things. And the grace behind mercy is cheerfulness. Mm. Ever thought that? Mm. Find it hard sometimes to, to, to forgive and to be accommodating and understanding of people with their foibles and their mm. frustrations. Mm. Get happy and you'll do it better. Yeah. <laughs> because cheerfulness <laughs> is the grace that enables you to operate in that. You need the grace for it. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say things about grace very, very quickly. First of all, you need to understand grace. Grace isn't just something by which we get saved. It is that. Let me quote to you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. By grace are you saved through faith. And that's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. But grace doesn't end when you're saved. That's where it begins. Because verse 9 says, For you are the workmanship of Christ, yeah. created in Christ Jesus for good works that Amen. he prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. That grace spills over now into works of service, into ministry, into developing your gifting. You operate by gifts. We need to understand that. It's a wonderful thing. Jesus said, Abide in me. And 
die in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. Apart from me, you don't have the grace. But in Christ Jesus, grace is supplied, is provided. It's wonderful seeing people operating in their grace. You know when people are in their grace, there's, there's an almost that is just natural to them. Mm -hmm. And very often when you're operating in your grace, serving in your grace, you're not even conscious that you're serving because it's just what you do. You were graced that way. Mm -hmm. You were created for that. You're the workmanship of Christ. Mm -hmm. do you, any of you who try your best, uh, I struggle, but any of you who try your best at household handyman DIY stuff, well, no, the biggest problem is when you don't have the right tools. Yeah. You, and you end up using the back of a, an axe to be a hammer. <laughs> a chisel for a school screwdriver. Oh, yes. You're ruining the chisel and it doesn't even put the screw in. That's what I've been doing, Mum. <laughs> Listen, God is a divine toolmaker. You are the workmanship of Christ created for good. You were made so that when you're doing it, it's not a strain. It's not impossible. It gets done better with less effort when you've got the right tool. It's called grace. God designed you and he made you that way and he gets in behind you when you're operating in that area. So it seems... I'm not going to say easy. Well, Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not complicated. It involves hard work at times, but it's a joy. Mm -hmm. And it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. And grace is what gives you the ability to thrive in your God-ordained zone. Did you get that? Mm -hmm. Grace is the ability to thrive in your God zone. Mm -hmm. I love seeing, seeing people operate in their God zone. It's lovely when we recognise a pastor. They just don't have to try to be it, they are one. And but sometimes we struggle to and and I love seeing people with gifts that I don't have because it makes me so appreciated. Yeah. <sighs> so understand grace. Dropping mm -hmm. here. Eating. Number two. Know your grace. Don't just understand grace, but know your grace. Always comes thinking when he made you. <laughs> he was, that, that's not a negative. <laughs> Instead of saying, why God? We should say, why God? <laughs> God, what was God thinking when he made you? He was thinking something, and you need to know your grace. Touched on it earlier, but I love seeing people operating in their grace zone because they just flow in. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. And you need to understand and you need to know what your gift You have to recognize and to accept your gift. Never compare yourself with others. Don't try to be someone else. Yeah. I remember hearing the late preacher, Ern Baxter, he was a wonderful. Bible teacher, hey. um, 
he was part of a, a movement that kind of got a bit of a, a rough time at one point called, I think the Lauderdale Five they were called, and they got associated with something that was called the, the shepherding movement. He and Derek Prince and a number of other terrific Bible teachers, but, but fabulous teachers um, um, a number of years ago. But I remember listening to him, he actually came to Glasgow and uh, and, I, and uh, I never got to the meeting, but I got the tapes of it. I've still got the tapes of him preaching way back in around about 1980 or something in Glasgow. And, and he talked about, about gifts and operations. And he said back in the 1950s, he, he, he's a Bible teacher, he operated as William Branham's Bible teacher. Some of you may have heard of a man called William Branham again. All kinds of things happened at the end of his life, but he had an incredible, at the, the, the height of his ministry, he had a, a phenomenal, incredible gift of healing and gift of knowledge, and prophetic gift. And, and Aaron Baxter's role in ministry was to be the Bible teacher, because although William Branham had this incredible, spectacular, miraculous gift, when he started to teach, he bored people to death. <laughs> And so he had to pull in Ern Baxter to be his Bible teacher, and Ern Baxter would stand up there, a wonderful Rolls Royce preacher and teacher, and he'd preach and teach. And he said, and he said many, many times that he was in tears in his eyes. Many, many times I saw Brother Bannon minister his gift thousands of times, and it never failed. He said it was it was it was astounding. He said I would, I would be in in a crowd of ten thousand people. And Brother Branham would stand up when the anointing came upon him and he would point to uh, a, a woman up near the back with a, a, a red pol polka dot, dot shirt and he would call her out and he would tell her her name, what her circumstance was and he said, by the way, you're healed. And she would break in tears. <laughs> wow. And uh, th th that's what he said. I never once saw him. He said one occasion he saw, he saw, he saw a baby, a blue baby rushed to William and he prayed and the baby was visibly healed. Its colour changed wow. as he laid hands and prayed with the baby at the front and he turned around and he saw on the stage pastors who hadn't spoken to each other in years embraced in tears, repenting for the division that had existed between them as the Spirit of God burst through wow. the and, and And he said, I, I, I was the Bible teacher for William Branham while all of this was happening. And he says, one day this this, this man came to me say, Brother Aaron, wouldn't you love to have Brother Branham's gift? And he said, no. No. God made me me. God made Branham Branham. Amen for that. And let Branham be Branham. I don't want to be Branham. Let Branham be Branham, I'll be me me. And contentment comes when you accept what God makes you. Amen. And I don't we want to grow, I don't we want to learn. I could get a whole other area, but the wonderful thing about these ministry gifts when they come amongst us, actually, they, they give another aspect of add another aspect of Jesus too. So although I may not be an evangelist, when I hang around an evangelist for a while, I become more evangelistic. Yeah. My first years of my ministry were under a very strong evangelist, and for two years after I left him, people would come up to me and say, you're an evangelist, you're an evangelist. Because I've been in the company of this guy, and it had rubbed off me. That's a purpose of these gifts, is to reproduce, reproduce that in others. It's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that, 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 uh, that we don't develop and grow in new areas, but the wonderful truth is yeah. that you just have to accept what God's called you, yeah. and you need to know your grace. Mm -hmm. And the struggle and the strain and the stress happens when we try to go into another grace. Yeah. 
or we try to go beyond the measure of grace yeah. and the gift we've been given. Yeah. Since we have gifts that differ mm -hmm. according to the grace yeah. given to us, let us each exercise them accordingly. And I know, there's the copper. Here's, here's the, here's the, here is the, the exit clause, but I want to cut off that exit door just now. The exit door of, um, oh well, I'll never do that then. I just, I'm just me. I'm just where I am. Understand grace, know your grace. Number three, grow in grace. Mm -hmm. It stands to reason, this is purely, lo utterly logical. If we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, and the gift flows out of the grace, then it stands to reason it's impossible to grow in grace without, by extension, growing in the gift. That's where faithfulness comes in. Because as we grow and we serve and we develop the gift, all of a sudden it expands and extends and then it begets new areas. Yeah. in our lives as we're faithful in it as we grow in grace and I have grace for things in my gift area today that I did not have 10 years ago yeah. let me quote to you from Hebrews chapter 4 you know the passage I'm sure, verse 16 therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive great mercy and find grace to help in time of need in other words, grace can be drawn upon you can get more grace by drawing near. And sometimes the tests and the challenges and the, the mountainous obstacles that sometimes appear before us, sometimes they're there because, no, that's not for me at this time. But sometimes they're there to say, now you need more grace to fly over me. Mm -hmm. And you need to know the difference. And by abiding in Christ and drawing near to him, you'll know yeah. the difference. It's a wonderful truth. So it's not always appropriate just to say I'm not graceful at that. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes we need to grow in grace. Growing churches are populated by people who are growing in grace. And it's led by leaders who are themselves growing in grace. What a wonderful picture. Uh, I see myself as a lead pastor. Do I see the role of a lead pastor? Um, to me, a lead pastor in, this, in a church is the first sheep to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I always want to be the first one to follow because the moment I cease following and be changed and corrected and enlarged myself, that, that, that's the moment I'm incapacit incapacitated from being that influence in the lives of others. Yeah. The day you stop changing is the, stop, uh, the day other people stop changing through you. The day you stop growing is the day people that you lead stop growing too. Mm. The day you stop being led mm. is the day you stop being a leader. Amen. Mm. Amen. Mm. When's the last time you did something for the first time? Mm. That was the time you stopped being a leader. Mm -hmm. Growing, developing, changing, and going into new areas. Oh, the, the, the two prophetic utterances that came at the beginning, earlier on in the service, um, something 
I'm sure they'll give me something strongly at the heart. The first message with the stones, rubble and the, the building of the stones, was that at the very heart of it was God does it on the inside before he does it on the outside. Yeah. He does it in the midst of his people within the church mm-hmm. before it becomes visible out there in the community. Is that not true? Is that not the spirit? That was the heart of the message that was said. Well, let me, let me read you what I've written in my notes here. You cannot grow on the outside without growing on the inside. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it won't happen out there till it happens in here, and it won't happen in here till it happens in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Inside. Thank you, Jesus. But that's an extension, because the other half of this subnote was a prophetic word that came straight after it. He didn't even use the scripture. But you talked about, um, Larry talked about four pegs. And then extending and going beyond that. Well, along with that statement, the other half of my note has got a hyphen joining what I just read with just before it. Enlarge the place of your tent. <laughs> stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare yeah. not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hyphen. You cannot grow on the outside without growing in the inside. Sorry, I got it wrong. You went first, you went second, but I went first and you said. <laughs> wow. God sing That's something. fantastic. That's good. God sing something. Yeah, he is. Our gifts, if our gifts differ according to the grace given to us, it stands then that the gifts grow as the grace grows. Amen. Grow in. Amen. Paul's sphere, the Apostle Paul's sphere, we don't often appreciate this, but his sphere of growth and development and growth and development of his ministry, of the extending of the pegs, happened over many years. In fact, Larry and I, not that long ago, had this conversation. Happened over many years. In fact, by my arithmetic, if you look at the launch pad of Paul's ministry when he came to next level, in fact, he wasn't Paul yet, he'd still be called Saul in Acts chapter 13. In the beginning of Acts chapter 13, we read that there were prophets and teachers in Antioch, and God said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And God breathed upon them, they were sent out to the Holy Spirit, and that was the point where Paul began the apostolic ministry that we know anything about. And by my arithmetic, we're talking about 14, maybe 17 years from the Damascus Road to the point when he got to that place. He says in Galatians chapter 1, he was 14 years in amongst the churches in that area. And then he went up, because of a revelation, he went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas. He's still together with Barnabas. He didn't become detached from Barnabas uh, and, and just begin to really fly until after this first missionary journey. And I said, what am I saying? For 13 years he had pr- spoken over him. He had prophesied 14, 17 now. He had pr- spoken over him from day one. Ananias, go to Saul in the street called Straight and uh, tell him, lay hands on him and tell him what he's going to have to suffer for my sake and he's going to take my gospel to the Gentiles and kings 
and rulers, and, 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 and the, the sons of Israel. And it didn't happen until that 13. Perhaps 17 years. Of being faithful, of growing and developing. Then all of a sudden, he just hit. And he, he outflew Barnabas and started going around next level. He grew, he raised his wings to higher heights. These men today, uh, Ian and Andrew, they're, they're stepping up. They're first to follow. Yeah. <laughs> leading everyone here. <coughs> leading every one of us mm. into new levels of grace. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Thank you, God. I, I see it happen. As I look at you, I'm, I'm seeing again the image when I was a little boy. And my brother, who's a shepherd, I was eight years old, my brother was 13, he got his first flock of sheep, and I was the sheepdog. <laughs> <laughs> Run, come by. <laughs> and I still see the picture, I had to get these sheep into a park. <laughs> and the stubborn beasts are sheep. They wouldn't go in. They wouldn't go in. And they came and there was a wide open gate and the sheep were bunched up and I'm there running. <laughs> Little me, And he's, my big brother's shouting at me, he's five years old, and he's shouting at me, Don't you lose them, don't you lose them. <laughs> the sheep were there right by the gate, right in front of the open gate. All they need is just walk to. We're not going. <laughs> Until just one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just one needed to go out front, and the rest came like a stamping. <laughs> to the point where when the first one walked through, my brother walked away. It's done. <laughs> because the first to follow was gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I see you guys today, first to follow in something new. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do see some. Mm -hmm. There's a movement coming. Yeah. Amen. Yeah.